Episode 104. Hello, hello, you're listening to the Career Changemaker podcast. Having the courage to leave a career that you have worked hard to build and try something else can be tough. So in each episode, we dive into key career change strategies so that you have a clear understanding of what is required to transition into a new role or a new industry without feeling like you have to start at the bottom or have to take a massive pay cut because hashtag ain't nobody got time for that. (laughs) If you are ready for frank and honest discussions about how to become a career change maker, keep listening. I'm your host, lawyer turned career strategist and executive coach, Janine Esbrand. Are you eager to get unstuck and figure out what you would actually like to do with your career next? Have you been going around in circles trying to figure it out but getting no further forward? If so, you're going to love today's sponsor, my signature group program, the Career Clarity Academy. Changing career direction can feel overwhelming and daunting, but it doesn't have to be. In my signature program, we give you clear, step-by-step, proven processes for getting completely clear on what it is that you want to do and understanding how you can leverage your existing experience and position yourself to attract and land a dream role. To find out more, head over to lightboxcoaching.com forward slash academy. Hello, hello, and welcome to the show. I am super excited about today's episode because I am interviewing an amazing guest and we are talking about such an important topic. I think it's really unfortunate that for many women, once they start a family and become mothers, their career is adversely affected. And I think it's really easy to feel like you have to choose between motherhood or career success. And that's why I'm super excited to speak to Danusha Melina Durban today, because she has proven how possible it is for you to be successful in your career and raise a family. She is a mother of 10 Yes, you heard me correctly, 10. And within those 10, she has a six-year-old triplet. So no doubt she has been a busy woman. But in addition to raising an amazing family, she's also had multiple transitions in her career and she has been operating at the top of her game. So I'm really excited to dive into our conversation so you can be as inspired as I was when we had this convo. So without further ado, let's jump in and speak to Danusha. Hi, Danusha. It is so awesome to have you on the show. I'm excited for us to have this chat today. Oh, hi, Janine. It's really lovely to be here. Thank you for awesome. So there's so much I want to ask you, so much I want to dive into. Um, I think the first thing that I really want um, to kind of dive into is is a bit about your career journey. So I know that you've done various things in your career and you are also a mother of a number of children. And so talk to me a little bit about, you know, your career journey pre and post motherhood. Well, the majority of it is going to be post motherhood um, because I was uh, 17 when I had my first child. So I've, I've really, I've really you know, never had a, well, in fact, I've never had a working day without being a mother. So there you go. It's all to do with motherhood. Um, so I, uh, yeah, I unexpectedly continued with a pregnancy that was an unexpected pregnancy. And so I continued with that, um, 
with great joy, I did that and wanted to have my son and then continued to have three more sons uh, within just over four years. So in a four-year span, I had four sons, which was pretty full, you know, like full pelt. I was either pregnant or I was breastfeeding. So a lot of my late teens and very early 20s were taken up with you know, having children, breastfeeding, being up in the night when my contemporaries were completing their A-levels, uh, going to university. And by then I'd uh, moved to South Africa from the UK and given birth there uh, to one of my sons, moved back from South Africa after two years and have more children. So I'd already packed in an awful lot. Oh, by the way, I'd also got married, but I'd, I packed in a great deal before I was 22. And then I, then I started to work part-time and uh, my husband went part-time, very progressive couple and at the time. And he, he backed off some of his hours quite a lot. And I went into the labour market and I worked for the probation service. I had got it into my head that I would like to be a social worker. And the probation officers around the corner, I'd say, why not go and see if I could get a part-time role, which I did. And I was working with offenders. And uh, literally, I used to have a team of offenders, as they were called then, by the way, I'm using a word that they would use. And I did that for a while. And I had a, a such a fantastic time. Um, they were um, on, a, on a scheme that meant that we put double glazing in. So I was really young. I didn't drive a car. I, I rode a bicycle very badly. <laughs> Because I really couldn't, I didn't ride a bike as a child. The reason why was because I was at the Royal Ballet, so I wasn't allowed to hurt my legs. So I never learned as a child. So I had to suddenly get on a bike. So I was constantly falling over the front of it. Um, and then my wonderful clients, uh, not, not the public, but my lovely um, guys, it was mostly men, would then bring me things like, here's a pair of jeans for you, Danusha. And I say, oh, that's very kind of you. <laughs> and... <laughs> Or they'd say, Danusha, what size are you? And being gullible, I'd say, oh, you know, size eight. And they'd say, oh, that's lovely, great. You know, and the next week I learned, never tell them anything. Don't tell them the colour you like. Don't, I mean, tell them loads of things. I did, of course. I became friends with them. But actually, don't tell them anything that they might go and steal for you. <laughs> so I had this really interesting time. And then I decided... Actually, just I had decided just after my fourth son was born, I realised, oh, come on, I really want to go to university. Um, and so I went to university. Uh, I was warned I didn't have A-levels, but that didn't stop me. And I applied to really good universities, despite being told to go to uh, low league ones, I'll call them that. Um, I was very much steered towards ones that were colleges, vocational, and I'm very academic. So I ignored all that advice and I uh, applied for magnificent ones. And in fact, I have very, very few regrets. One of them is that I didn't apply to Oxford or Cambridge. And I really now know, having worked at Oxford, I, you know, I mean, in the uni, I, I you know, I really ought to have done that, but I couldn't see it. I couldn't. So I put a limit on myself. 
But I did go. And then I went to university and uh, became an academic, in fact, um, straight out of my master's degree. Um, and I'd given birth during the middle of my master's degree, um, as you do. And um, so then I became an academic in a business school. And really, that was an, an amazing experience. And I loved it. And so throughout my career, I mean, I left academia. I had a tenured position. I didn't need to leave, leave it. But I got, I wanted to be a professor by the time I was 40. And in order to be a professor by the time I was 40, I definitely didn't need to be a mother, which was a little bit awkward for me because I was already obviously a mother of uh, five. And I needed to be a publisher. And I was, so I was publishing publications in the right places. Mm-hmm. And I needed to show that I was like dedicated to my academic career, which I did to the point where people didn't even know I had children. So one of the, one of the, my publications are around leadership, research methodology, uh, cross-cultural methodology, in fact, and uh, between China and the UK. So um, international work, which I went on, I worked in, in America as an associate professor in Vanderbilt. I, um, I realized that I needed to write about, you know, feminist analysis of women in the academy. And as I did that and published a book on it, as, as I did that, the, the, the really depressing piece of news was that actually very few mothers make it to the top. Now, that isn't the case. I, I actually got exactly what I wanted. But when I was on my, my first maternity leave of my career, with my sixth child, I realized that and it was really it was so weird to actually have a maternity leave. I realized that I needed to spread my wings. So I set up my own consultancy and I ran that parallel. So I'm somebody that has run a, a side hustle with a full-time career and the, and the own business has taken over from the full-time career. And I've, and I believe you know, I can see the great benefits of doing that. So I transitioned out of being an academic to a huge shock of business schools that I was working in and working with um, because you don't tend to throw that kind of career in. Mm. And I set up my own consultancy and that's what I've been running for years now and never regretted it. In fact, I needed a break from... Um, academia. Um, I really did. I needed. I just. I knew that I'd done what I needed to at the time. In fact, I do. I do do some work now, um, guest lectures, and you know, I really truly enjoy that. And you can't take the academic out of me, actually, ever. But nevertheless, that's what I've been doing. And so, my journey isn't one of you know, going to university, getting a profession. You know, enjoying that, getting pregnant, trying to balance it with, you know, my career that I've been in for a few years. I, if I hadn't uh, tried to work with children, I mean, I would have needed to choose either be a full-time mother with these children that you had pre-university or find ways that you can 
fulfill your own potential Janusha and raise these kids to be really happy and that's that's the second one that I've done Janine you know I'm doing my best to do that and it's a it's always a dance isn't it yeah but I love that because there's a few things that you mentioned one of the things that you said about limits and where you were looking at where to apply and you you were striving for the top unis, but you placed a limit on yourself in terms of whether or not you went to Oxford or Cambridge. I think it's really interesting to kind of look at that because I think a lot of people put place their limits a lot lower than where you did and just say, well, you know, I can't, I just, I'm not going to be able to do this. I haven't seen other people do this. And so I don't think it's possible. But like, the fact that people were saying to you, you know, you should set your sights lower, but you were like, no, this is where I'm, I'm heading. It's great. But I think so few women do that, particularly when they are mothers, they might say, do you know what? I can't, I just can't do it all. But it's like, why not? Why can't you? Is that because you don't want to? Or is that because people are saying to you or society says to you, you shouldn't be able to? Hey, 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 I am super excited because I have a handful of spots open for one-to-one coaching. I am looking to work with more of you who are highly ambitious, very driven, know where you want to get to, but are struggling to get there because you feel as though you're being overlooked and undervalued for the contribution that you're making. You know that you need to get more visible. You know that you need to show up more. You understand that creating a personal brand that is speaking for you when you're not in the room is important so that you can move towards your career goals but you don't quite know how to make it happen and for you I am extending the invitation to come and join me inside of Elevate. This is my one-to-one high-touch coaching program that is designed to help you to advance into your next role, secure your next client, position yourself for the opportunities that you want by being intentional with your personal brand, making sure that your digital footprint is tight. Yes, I mean, LinkedIn is looking good and attracting the right opportunities and making sure that you're able to show up with confidence and fully articulate the value that you're able to bring to your next opportunity. I am excited to dig deep come up with your personalized strategy and your plan and support you with the accountability and coaching that is required to help you to get there. So if this sounds good to you, if you know that you need some support with really taking your career to the next level, book a call with me and let's explore you joining the Elevate program. So head over to careerchangemakers.com forward slash call so that you can book a fitting call and then let's have a conversation about whether or not this program is a good fit for you. I look forward to speaking to you. Yeah, exactly. And so um, I have a wonderful um, example of what that would have meant for me. So I actually got... Given that I did apply to five uh, top league universities and obviously was expecting to to be thrown aside and not looked at at all. But I was actually interviewed at all of them in, in the days when interviews were, you know, like they just happened. Now it's quite uncommon. But nevertheless, I went to all the interviews and I went to the University of Bath. It's a beautiful university and a wonderful university and a very high league university. So uh, I was I was interviewed there and I remember the, the great guy, you know, just the two of us. And he said, now, listen, I see that you have four young children. I said, that's right. Yes. 
because I've never been apologetic about my children. I'm not apologetic about having been a teenage mother. You know, I had two in my teens. So what, but why would I be apologetic about that? So I was like, yes, I do have these four wonderful, you know, children. And he said, now I, I would, you know, we would love to offer you a place, which obviously made my heart sing. Um, and I tried very hard not to show him <laughs> on the spot that I was just like elated because this is an amazing university. And, uh, and so, and he said, but there is just one thing. We'd like to suggest that you defer for 10 years. 10 years? 10 years. And, uh, and I picked myself up, uh, you know, kind of internally. And I kind of said, well, it's really wonderful to hear that you would like to offer me a, you know, a place here. But 10 years, 10 years is a long time. And he said, look, we can see that you've got, I think my youngest was two and my oldest, therefore, would have been just over five. You know, that kind of that kind of age. They were little. They were little. He said, you know, in 10 years, they'll be up on their feet properly. You'll have seen them through a lot. And actually, then you can really focus on you. And I just remember looking, looking at him thinking, wow, okay, so I can come on your conditions. I didn't say anything. I just said, well, you know, because it wasn't, it wasn't a negotiation, actually. It was presented to me as... You know, this is of a very logical thing for you to do, Danusha. Mm. And I said, to be honest, I was a bit gobsmacked. I was like, really? <laughs> I've got in, but not yet. How am I going to deal with this? Wow. And I also, I just was not expecting that. I was, a, I was also a bit simplistic of, well, am I going to get in or are they just really going to laugh at me and say, you haven't got any A-levels, go away. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're not going to get in. How, how can you show us that you're up to this? Well, anyway, I didn't take the place at University of Bath. I didn't. I went to the University of Lancaster and they, an equally high level university in that department and I and it is and I you know flew through and it didn't have its wasn't without its challenges <laughs> let's not pretend but nevertheless I got my degrees etc etc and then irony was that my PhD supervisor of course was at the University of Bath <laughs> <laughs> so one of them was at the University of Bath this was well within the 10 years well within 10 years so during that period that they had told me to step back, focus on my children, which I was going to do anyway. It's not like I wasn't going to. But, you know, right, put myself aside whilst focusing on them. And then I could have turned for me. I'd accomplished several degrees. I was, you know, had become a, an academic and I was already, you know, I'd won a PhD scholarship and one of them was supervising one of the wonderful staff there in the business school was supervising me and it so I did get to be there <laughs> but, yeah. but in a very different way and that would have been 10 years of my life 10 years of earnings 10 years of pension yeah yeah so it's mm. very interesting that it, it, he's basically presenting it. It's an either or. So for right now, you either have to focus on becoming a, on being a mother, or you or you're able to do this thing. But it's you've proven that it doesn't have to be an either or. I can do both. Why can I not do both? And I think that that's really inspiring for people who do feel like if I don't dedicate all of my time to looking after my children, that means that 
I can't be a good mum or that means that I'm not focusing in the right place. It's like you can totally build your career and have your family at the same time. Yeah. I mean, I think what what happens is that it is presented to us women and mothers as if it is individual there are individual problems or individual ways that we'll either not be able to do things or we will be able to do things. And the individual solutions, for instance, are we'll be better time managers, we'll have more money to hire people, which, of course, we do need support, by the way, that isn't something that isn't important. But nevertheless, there'll be individual solutions that we'll either show up and be good at or we just won't be good at, and therefore you'll have to do the either-or option. Actually, the, the nub of the issue is the structural conditions mm. and barriers that we women face uh, are very significant. It's not our individual failures that we can't make things work. It's because society isn't built to have us actually, you know, have us be able to combine our own fulfilment with raising kids. When I went to the university, I had significant challenge to, <laughs> I was studying, studying with one of the leading lights of um, feminist analysis, one of, one of the subjects that I was taking. And I, and they, this is an example of structural conditions that mitigate against our success as mothers. They were, there was a, uh, a lecture at uh, four o'clock and I couldn't be there at four mm. my my eldest was at school by then and I had to be out for 3 15 it was a tiny little school I I, I you know the after school care wraparound care no there was none it was assumed that women were at home working you know not working and picking up so I actually didn't have anybody for a while to do that for me because I didn't know anybody and when I asked, could I record that, please? Could somebody in the class record this for me? It was a great big lecture theatre. You know, please, could that happen? And then I can listen after and make notes. I was called to the head's office. It was a woman, um, a childless woman. I, I know her well. And I published later, you know, um, and was on stage, you know, at the same time. So this is, this is not bitterness, but it was very amusing that what she said was, no, no, you can't. You'll either be there or not. Wow. And I was like, yes, but but don't you see how your analysis of motherhood and the institution of marriage and all these analyses that you're putting forward to us students, I'm one of the only mothers in this cohort and I can't be there because you won't find a solution. Mm-hmm. Now that was then. I actually I actually couldn't record and I couldn't be there. So I missed I missed those. I risked being seen as somebody that wasn't committed. I was deeply committed. Yeah. I just knew that I had to be with my children. I had to collect them. There was no one else. And so I just had to, when I was at, at lectures, I had to choose. I had to be very strategic. I had to choose which ones I was going to, which essays I was going to do according to which lectures I could attend. Mm. It was as simple as that. Um, and so I had to find a solution to a structural problem and a misunderstanding about what mothers need what you know discrimination basically and we see it constantly in corporations don't we you know I mean it's uh it's it's endemic in in the way that cultures are built um 
the thoughtlessness around what is required both now for men and women as parents it's just yeah so what what do you think kind of or where do you think you got the resolve to kind of just push through when it sounds like from what you've been sharing there's been numerous challenges because of Mm -hmm. The structural issues and because of people's perspectives on what should be possible like what made you kind of keep pushing and say no I'm gonna I'm gonna do the thing that I know I can do even if other people aren't seeing it yet yeah it's a really great question I think I went to an all-girl convent school and I I think one of the joys of sisterhood and I, I'm huge and I think you already know this that I'm huge in terms of support of um, other women and the the need to 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 be together and to cheerlead one on and to actually take action to to support one another in you know in in business in life but I also learned that the safe way is to fit and the safe way is to you know, the safe way in many contexts is actually to uh, morph self into what everyone else is doing. And the, the gift of having a child, I mean, I was, I just won a place at the Italia Conti Stage School at 17. I was meant to go off and do big things. And I chose to actually go against that and, and have my baby. And that was totally against the current of what was expected of me, the potential in front of me, and also all my peers. Everyone went to uni, which was very privileged. But the truth, I was stuck out like a, you know, I mean, that was it. Because mm. I didn't finish the A-levels I was doing. So that safety of, of um, belonging and actually means that the gift that my first son gave me, Freddie, was that he taught me to dare to go against the grain, to dare to be cross-current. Some people call it zigging when zagging, you know, like if people are going right, go left. People are going left, you go right. Now, I don't mean from a bloody-minded kind of, oh, I see them all walking safely to the right. Oh, I'll jump in front of a train train kind of, you know, I mean, not for just sheer stupidity. And I, you know... I'm kind of, that's a bad example because obviously no one would jump in front of something for stupidity. But I literally mean, you know, going in a direction that is, you know, to show provocation. Mm. No, no, it's simply that sometimes, <laughs> well, if we, if we, if we just are following the herd, then we're going to be like every other sheep. And just because I was told that, I couldn't make anything of myself once I was once I'd had a bunch of children. Um, how did they know more about me than I know about me? What gives anyone else what gives anyone else any intelligence on you more than yourself? If you decide that you can go try something because you don't know you'll make it, but if you can at least decide you'll go and try, then what do they know more? I, I, I defy anybody to know more about what's right for me than I do. And, and so that's, that's at the heart of it. 
It's essentially what I'm writing about. So my book is called Noise. Everybody has noise. Every single person, everyone has an opinion about us mothers. Everywhere we turn, friends, family, uh, partners, schools, uh, women at the school gate, uh, work colleagues. I mean, everywhere you look, there'll be an opinion about mothers, what they should be doing, how they should raise their children, how they should be when they're grown up, uh, you know, what makes a good grandmother, what makes a... I mean, everything. It doesn't stop, I would imagine, at any age. And so the art is, how do you dial down the noise from out there and the, and the noise that you've also inculcated into yourself because we do we kind of eat it it's in us you know lives in us those noises how do you dial those down so that you know about them but they don't take you over and you can kind of channel your own path and walk your own path that you know is right for you that's right for your children that's right that's right yeah yeah and that's, so that's what it is. I've been honing this for years and it's quiet. It doesn't need to be loud or, or you know, bullshy or it can be if you want it to be bullshy, but it doesn't need to be. It can be very quiet. It can be very, can, you know, once you have the resolve, as you said, it's a great word. Resolve is a great one. But a lot of the time we don't know what we want. We listen to others. We go seek external um, opinions about, well, what do you think? Should I do this? Should I go to this uni? Should I do that? Should I get, what about this? Rather than, I want this. And I'm going to commit to doing it this way. And I might fuck up. Excuse the language. I might fuck up. Oh, that is just so good. So good. Like the, the, what you said just then about, you know, dialing down the noise and actually being willing to ask yourself you know what do what do I want (laughs) what do I want to do and not so much focus on what everyone else is saying because I think oftentimes that's where people tie themselves up in knots because you're listening to so many different voices from all over that you haven't even given yourself the space to to hear your own um so I think that is absolutely brilliant, particularly for people who are saying, yeah, I, I'm not happy where I am now. I know I want to do something different. I don't necessarily know what that is. And I feel stuck. People tend to stay stuck because they don't do what you just said. They don't really sit with, what do I want to do? Like, who, how, how is it that I think other people are more qualified than I am about me? Mm-hmm. I think that is so, so profound what you just shared. Yeah, yeah, it's... it's it's so necessary because unless we know the noise that we're generating about ourselves and the noise that we're listening to, whether it's about how mothers should should dress, what's what how does a cool mother dress? How does a fashionable mother dress? How does how do you do that in lockdown? How do you do that in corporates? How do you, you know, what kind of food are you supposed to be cooking for people? What kind of love? How do you show love as a mother? How do you how is mother's commitment shown? How do you show success? What's the version of success? I mean, we really honestly could go on. What kind of relationship do you want? You know, what relationship to your ex if you've got an ex? You know, all those kinds of things I'm talking about if you've got children, you know, those come into play and can drown us. We can't breathe for the 
the noise of other and then from self. And we've got to discern which is self. Like, is that from them or is that really me? And how do you do that? And then how do you act from that? Once you know that, it's like, it becomes so clear. It's like, it doesn't matter. Like, that's for her. That's wonderful. That's why it's so possible to be generously wholehearted about other people's choices when they are inextricably like, I mean, they're just so wildly oppositional to your own choices. Mm. They're fine. They're wonderful. You can say, fantastic. That's not my path. That's just not my path. Yeah. And that, that takes you away from all of the kind of comparison that happens. And so much so much now with social media and stuff, people tend to compare themselves to others and, oh, they're doing that, so I should be or I should be. But when you can really stand in, well, this is my choice and I know why I'm choosing this, then it's easier to be happy for people. It's easier to see what other people are doing but not be affected by it. Um, so that's so, so important. When When is the book coming out? Because now I'm like, I need to read it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's coming out in March next year. So uh, it's, it's, you know, it's not long. It sounds like a long time, but that in, in publishing stuff is not long at all. So, so yeah, it's exciting. I mean, I, yeah, I, I'm, I'm glad it's, it's coming. I'm really glad because I had a former iteration of it and I, it was the much more practical much more practical solutions to like work-life balance Mm -hmm. because I'm not going to lie I do have lots of practical things that I can talk about on this subject because I've been doing it for years you know but and and, you know 10 kids is a lot to to logistically be with you know all the dynamics that come with that and all the the appointment setting and all this stuff and the emotions of it actually through the ages. But nevertheless, so I got a bit distracted, you see, because I was constantly asked for that. And I got distracted by the noise of other people saying, can you just answer this? Could you just tell us what's your morning routine? Like, could you, could you, what do I need to get in place domestically? And I had underestimated how powerful getting your house in order is because because actually, if you don't have your house in order, how the hell can you get out? Yeah. yeah. And, and so I went off, you know, I was kind of set off to, oh, I can answer those. And I, I felt very uncomfortable, I, not in the solutions. I'm fine with those. But I was like, no, this isn't really the book. This is not quite the book that's the, that one. And I stopped everything. And that's a bit embarrassing you know, potentially it has a lot of embarrassment when you say, no, actually, no, I'm not going to complete that book. No, not yet. Because obviously you you lay yourself open to, or I laid myself open to the kind of, oh, she can't quite do it then. It's like, no, genuinely, I've never said this actually, but it's like genuinely not that I couldn't. It's that I know there's something more foundational. And the foundational piece is if I didn't bring noise, the book noise to the world, then I would be papering over what the real kind of issue is. Yeah. So I had to do it. And so I was like, oh, and I, you know, I think oh, it's a great position with publishers. So it, it wasn't, it wasn't that 
that was a problem. It was no. And so I had to really be patient with myself and be ready to be, to be ready to be shot at as noise takes apart some of the foundational pieces that we assume come with motherhood. And I, my job actually is to say, really? So it, in effect, it's the University of Bath, again, who I love. <laughs> you know, I think they're a fab university. But it's that department that said, wait 10 years. The assumption, if I'd waited, I would have not broken that assumption and noise the book takes apart some of the assumptions that you and I and listeners are told every single day that are a given once you're a mother this is how it is so noise will be saying really isn't that just noise really so good I'm excited (laughs) (laughs) I'm so excited so you have um, an amazing community and podcast and I just love how on that podcast you dive in and you bring forth so many different perspectives and stories from different women different mothers who are sharing kind of how how they've been doing things so I think I think that's great. So if people haven't come across you before, you, they should absolutely check out School of Mothers because it's amazing. Oh, thank you. Yeah, the School for Mothers is is you know both a Facebook community and it's one of those very unusual zero judgment places. And the podcast is is a joy. I love. I mean, we've yeah we've got some amazing guests. Obviously, you've been on and. I think you know yours is coming out soon and yeah I mean seriously and, and then I started the school for fathers podcast oh, yes so and that's really that that's really picking up pace it really is in terms of we've now got a lot of men approaching us the school, school for mothers podcast is is you know we we have some I actually I'm glad you mentioned about the diversity we have an amazing range of diversity in our in our um in our guests and it's something that I'm deeply committed to I really am so um, I recently uh recorded with a woman called Rebecca Tossig and she's uh, her book is coming out very soon called Sitting Pretty and it's a it's a it's her well it's a window on her world as a disabled uh, woman She's a teacher, she's a mother, she's, you know, she's, her voice is very, very wonderful. And I love the range that we get from, you know, editors of major mags through, um, you know, it's very international as well. And I think, you know, it is a privilege, isn't it, to be as, you know, a podcast host. Yeah. It really is. It's, it's, it's marvellous. And just recently I had the the joy of um, going to be working with Psychologies magazine about starting podcasts. And that is, that's, that's really lovely. I mean, yeah. And I should say, you know, what's important to know is that I started School for Mothers podcast with zero experience, zero budget and zero listeners. I had absolutely nothing. I had not been on any courses. I'd not, I didn't know about anything other than, well, that seems like a good idea. Why don't I do that then? <laughs> like university seems like a good idea. 
shall I go? I've, I know I've got four kids, but, <laughs> and that's the thing. So I know that if I can do it, then, you know, other women's voices are so needed. Yeah, I love that you shared that because I think it's such an encouraging piece for people who are saying, oh, you know, I don't know whether I should really go for it, whatever it is they're considering. But, you know, just great example, just do it. If, if, you, if you have an idea and you feel like you want to do something, go for it. If it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. But at least you would have tried. And if it does work out, fantastic. Um, well, yeah, yes, exactly. Because actually, when we try something and it doesn't quite go the way we thought, it takes us to the next step, doesn't it? I mean, it takes us to something that we never thought would come to us. Or even if, you know, it takes us to a reflection of, hmm, okay, I didn't know I couldn't do that. Yeah. Right, now I do. Now I know that that's not my thing. But I realise that this other thing might be my thing. So nothing is a waste. Nothing's a waste if we, if we see it as a lesson. Even the worst things that happen to us, you know, the things that we dearly wish didn't have to come our way or, or didn't happen. And I include, you know, my, my stillbirth daughter, Madeline, who, I mean, she's a profound opportunity. Um, devastating as, as birthing her was, and not getting to know her and not raising her and not all the knots, but actually the, the joy that she's brought um, because of who I grew to be in that experience. I couldn't have done it without her. I couldn't have, I wouldn't be who I am. And certainly I'm, I'm going to have to say, I would not be the woman I am if I hadn't had triplets. <laughs> Christ. <laughs> they're, you know, like they're a triathlon. <laughs> I can imagine. That is so beautiful, though. I love that you said that around, you know, recognising that even through hard things, you become a different person and you become the person who you are today because of everything that's happened. Um, Yes, great. Thank you so much, Denisa. You've just dropped so many gems on us today. <laughs> There's so much food for thought. And yeah, I really appreciate you sharing your journey and it's just encouraging. I feel, I feel super inspired and I'm sure my listeners will too. If people want to connect with you more, learn more about School for Mothers or you know your upcoming book, where's the best place for them to go? Uh, two places, it's schoolformothers.com and danushamalinadurban.com. So yeah. Those two places. And of course, anybody wants to come and, you know, join, have a little look at the Facebook group. You can come and find that School for Mothers, you know, on Facebook. Yeah, those kinds of places. Thank you. So I will put all of those links in the show notes so people can connect with you and, yeah, get to know you even more. Thank you for today. Thank you for for this conversation. It's been wonderful. Thanks, Janine. How amazing is Danusha? I cannot wait to read her book when it comes out early next year. She dropped so many gems in this episode, but I would say one of the biggest takeaways for me was what she said about not letting others tell you what you can or can't do. Because when you think about it, you may be stopping yourself from taking a leap and doing something that you really want to do in your career because you're too worried about what others think. And Danusha just provides such a great example of what happens when you stop looking externally for validation and you start focusing inward. I absolutely love her perspective. So if you enjoyed listening to Danusha, I 
recommend that you go over to the School for Mothers podcast and subscribe because she has some really great interviews with some amazing women on her podcast. And you can also join her uh, Facebook group too. So the links to her website and her podcast uh, will be in the show notes. So make sure that you head over to lightboxcoaching.com forward slash episode 104 for you to be able to access those links. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Career Changemaker podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, I would love for you to let me know what your biggest takeaway has been. So head over to Instagram, tag me at Career Changemaker and let me know your thoughts. What did you like most about today's episode? I look forward to hearing from you. Until next time, keep working towards your career goals and we will speak very, very soon.